Um, okay. So, um, I, a slight confession. We are tackling Colossians chapter 3 today, which means for the very hawk-eyed among you, we have missed a few verses at the very end of chapter 2. But um, fear not, we will come to those in a minute. But a big thanks to Chris for last week. He's now on annual leave. So you shouldn't be watching. If you are, get off, go for a walk with your wife. Um, But hopefully he has a brilliant holiday. They're up in Scotland for a couple of weeks. Uh, But we're so grateful to Chris last week for speaking so clearly about being in Jesus. You were in your old self, in death, in whatever, and then you you stepped into Jesus. So um, that was amazing. And then Kat, the week before... Um, I know, right? Who uh, I've written here, she told me to say, knocked it out of the park. No, she didn't. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She didn't tell me to say that. They are my own words. She knocked it um, out of the park, absolutely, when talking about making Jesus front and centre and going further with him. So today, we are on Colossians 3, which should come up here. Okay, I'm going to read it from my Bible just to prove that there are paper versions still around. Um, if you have your Bible with you, then please do. Colossians chapter 3. I'm reading today from the NIV. I do chop and change, but today is the NIV. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. In glory, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. Here there is no gentle or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. In a nod to our Anglican friends, thanks be to God for his word. <laughs> It's a great thing to say, right? Thank you, God, for your word to us. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, so we're going to start here. Um, At the very beginning here, you'll see the very first bit is blue. Since then, or since therefore, you have been raised with Christ. I'm going to switch those words around. Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ. Okay, and as many of you will know, that whenever you see a therefore, you have to look to see what it's. Therefore, right? So you can never really start to read a passage of the Bible and it effectively has the word therefore in there and you don't look to see in the bit before. That's crazy, crazy Bible reading. So we're going to go back to the bit before. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. So what was happening is they were starting to effectively believe other things that, meant, that were like a religiosity, 
And they were rules about how to live. And we're going to come back to these in a little while. But that's what was going on. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So what Paul is saying here, the context is that there are a load of human rules that are starting to creep in to the church at Colossae. So like, you must pray a certain number of times a day. These are some of ours maybe. You must go to church on a Sunday. You must be a pushover and just a little bit wet as a Christian. You must not stand up for anything that offends other people. You must read the Bible in one year. It's a rite of passage, surely. We had um, a, a person park in the car park out here, and they were doing it day after day after day after day. And, and then they just um, they work like half a mile away, I don't know, but, but like a long way off. And, and in the end, we, we politely challenged this lady and said, Ashley, this place gets used, and these car parking spaces are all taken, so... Can you please just find somewhere else to park? Well, you're supposed to be a church. What? So we offer free parking spaces because we're a church. And this is the crazy thing. You're supposed to be Christians, you're church. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that means you can have your parking space. Well, you can't. Push off in love. In love. Let me pray for you as you leave with your car. Um, anyway, no, we were nicer than that. But... Um, and guess what? She just walked off, stuck two fingers up, walked off. Happy days. Clamping, that's the way forward. Clamping in Jesus. We need to write Jesus on the clamp and put it around the wheels. Um, and some of you are going, is he joking? Is he... I'm going to leave that with you. As, is he joking? I don't know. Um, so we have these human rules and we can do it. I can do it. I, you spot this religiosity that comes into our lives and we think, well, if we follow these rules, then... So Herbie is a brilliant one for picking people up, and I've, I've, I've caught it off him on shoulds. Well, to be honest, I, I'm, I probably should be praying more. Why would you say should? Where's the should come from? Does the should come from God, or does it come from you, or does it come from an expectation that's around you? Well, I, I should be, I should be, well, I should, I should be this thing. Where's that come from? Now, praying more. I'm not, not advocating praying more, right? <laughs> Hear me right. But these religious rules, people were starting to almost imbibe and, and buy into, believe these religiosities. And Paul was saying, no, <laughs> this, this is not going to get you the godly life that you feel you want, this connectedness. Rule following never produces connectedness. If you've still got your notebook out from when Charlotte was talking, put that down. You can tweet it if you want. Rule following never produces connectedness. So if, if you had a rule in the marriage uh, for you ladies that you are not allowed to kiss another man, that, that isn't going to produce connectedness with your, with your husband. I mean, don't get me wrong, kissing another bloke probably isn't going to help your relationship with your husband, but you could choose to not kiss another man, and it doesn't make you more connected, does it, anyone? No, 
No, Chris, you're, you're absolutely right. It does damage if you do it, but if you don't do it, it doesn't do the inverse. You could be absolutely ignoring your spouse, not talking to them or anything, but it's all right. You're more connected because you haven't snogged the lady next door. What? Of course not. Rules don't do that. It doesn't work that way. Rules will never produce connectedness. So Paul says that we're not going to become more godly by following lists of rules here on earth, which at the very best try to seek only to modify our behavior, but by seeking the invisible realities of heaven and staying focused there where God the Father is with Jesus. Paul's saying, don't bother just trying to stop doing things down here. Don't like, don't not bother. But Paul's saying, Following a load of rules down here is not going to create a better connectedness with the Father. The only thing that will do that is thinking from that reality, thinking about him, talking to him, connecting with him, creating those spaces, which, yes, habits are a great thing. Now, this is a slightly random picture, so bear with. Ooh, have I gone past it? I think I've gone past it. Did two. There we are. Now, some of you will recognize that. That is Tenterden um, Leisure Centre. Now, I'm going to try to explain something that is going on in the Bible here. So Paul says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. So the most natural picture I could think of was of a leisure pool. Uh, So, try to get past the little kind of pirate things in the foreground, okay? Because they are not relevant to this talk. (laughs) Try to look past them. Now, try to look at the flume in the background. I'm sure most people here have stood under a flume at some point, right? Have they? Yes? Even if accidentally you walk under it. You may not have been down one, but you've stood under one at some point. I want you to imagine for a minute that the heavenly realm, let's just deal with two realms for a minute. The earthly realm, this thing, we can see stuff, we can touch stuff, this is the earthly realm, and there is a heavenly realm. Now the heavenly realm is where Father God is. He is the heavenly realm is currently invisible. Okay? This isn't rocket science, none of this should come as a shock to you. That the heavenly realm is currently invisible, as in invisible in this realm. You can't see God with these eyes. You can see God with the eyes of your heart, which we pray will be enlightened so you know God better, as Paul prayed. So we have these two realms, this realm, and I want you to imagine there is a flume world above you that is invisible. Bear with, okay? This gets clearer in a minute. So this is above our heads, but you can't see it. You know it's there, or at least you trust it's there because you have faith that it's there. Faith, after all, being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you can't see. Okay, I have faith in electricity. I can't see it, but I trust that it's there. I have faith that it's there. So sometimes from this flume world above us, (laughs) um, you will feel a drip or a splash or an absolute drenching as the water comes over and comes from the heavenly realm into this realm. 
the life-giving water of the Spirit from that realm into this realm. Now, I know there are holes in this analogy. Just bear with, because I know that the Holy Spirit is here as well. Just go with it. No analogy is ever complete. So if we've said yes to Jesus, we are citizens of that realm, the heavenly flume, invisible realm, as well as citizens of the earthly realm. We belong in both. That's what happens. So there is an invisible life that we have, if we have said yes to Jesus, where we are also in the heavenly realms. And we can approach God in freedom and confidence, and we can walk in and out of the the throne room. But that's an invisible realm. But it doesn't make it any less real. Still with me? So there's an invisible realm, visible realm. Invisible, visible. Okay. So if we said yes to Jesus, we are a part of that invisible world and our life is hidden with Christ. Why is it hidden? Because it's invisible at the moment, that realm. So like electricity, unseen but no less real, like the wind, you can't see it but you can feel its effects. Yes? Still with me? Okay, yes, Chris. Now, to make things slightly trickier, the Bible makes it clear that one of these realms is eternal And one of them is only temporary. And to make life just that little bit harder, the one that you can see is the temporary one, and the one that you can't see is the eternal one. Which is quite hard for us, because we live with our natural five senses, and we have an awful lot of bombardment of our senses. Much, much more than we did even 20 years ago, and phenomenally more than we would have done 100 years ago. What a brilliant distraction technique of the enemy that is. I'm just going to get you thinking about this realm only, all the time. I'm going to get you sucked into only thinking about this realm. You're not going to have time to think about anything else. I'm going to bombard you with images, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and sounds, and constant sounds, and you can't even have a video now without some music in the background. I'm going to do adverts, and it's going to be fast-paced. And then we're going to have YouTube, and we're going to have an absolute proliferation of video and sound and noise, and da 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 And constantly, our senses are being bombarded. Set your mind on things above, says Paul. So what is down here is only temporary. One day it'll go. But what is unseen is eternal. So it is our job as citizens of both places, if you've said yes to Jesus, we're citizens, clearly we're citizens here. We're also citizens, I'm saying up there for now, in this invisible realm. And our job is to pull the realities of what is in the invisible realm and make it visible down here. That's our job. That is what we're here for. If not, then the moment you say yes to Jesus, you might as well just get raptured up, job done. But it's not job done. Because he says, what I need you to do is all the things that are real and true and alive and happening in heaven should be happening down here. And you now, because you're citizens of both places, you have the power to bring, and the authority, to bring the life of heaven and bring it down to make it a reality on earth. Great. That's three of us. So, is there sickness in heaven? No. So there shouldn't be sickness on earth. That is not God's plan. If it's not his plan for heaven, then it's definitely not his plan for earth. Is there poverty in heaven? Is there injustice in heaven? Rape, complaining, rage, bitterness, 
racism, slander, murder, abortion, disease, barrenness, grief. None of these exist in heaven. So none of these is it God's plan to be happening here on earth. And it's our job to pray and to follow him and obey your kingdom come. Your, what, they, what he actually meant, Jesus, was your invisible flume realm come. That's what he meant. It's just lost something in the translation over the years. But that's basically what he's saying. He's saying the life that's there is supposed to be here. And this is our job. This is our role. And Paul is saying, if you basically spend all your time looking here and never looking there, then you're just going to totally lose the plot. You're going to even start to doubt, uh, not even really sure it exists. I mean, you can't even see it, can you? I mean... When was the last time I felt a splash? Well, I don't know, but I don't know how much time we're spending focusing on the invisible realm. Just because it's invisible, it doesn't make it any less real. In fact, it makes it more real because one day this lot will go and that will never go. If you're going to anchor your hope on anything, anchor it in something that's permanent, right? Okay, I've no idea where I am in my notes. But anyway, so there's no grief in heaven. So we got this message this week from a lady. I won't say any of her details um, because uh, I haven't asked her permission. I'm sure she'd be fine with it because she messaged us. I, have, I don't know who this lady is. I watched your service this Sunday from my home in this place. Um, nowhere near here, by the way, like counties and counties away. I love the live worship. In February, my husband passed away from heart failure. He had been in hospital... For some months, on and off, we've been together and married for 37 years. I was really struggling with grief and many memories in my flat, especially in the kitchen where my husband loved to be and cooked all our meals. When freedom was mentioned, I got on my knees. I was fully into the worship. I was crying, worshipping, praising God and asking for a real breakthrough in my grief. I felt God tell me to go into my kitchen, open all the cupboard doors and pray against all my sad memories. I continued to watch the service, but later on that evening, I felt different, like something had been lifted off from me. A real oppression was gone. I slept well, and when I awoke in the morning, I just felt different. I'm still grieving, but I know that God is so close to me. Thank you. I just wanted to encourage you. Come on. Here is that flume life. Absolutely. That is the flume life that has just splashed over that precious lady. That's what she did. She put her focus there. What does David say? I lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. One of the quickest ways we can get depressed, honestly, is only to look around us. No offense. Not not right now, clearly. You're life-giving. But you know what I mean. And if you really want to get depressed, just look in a mirror. Because if you can't see the regenerated part of you, then like we're just destined to decay. I mean, you're born and then you die, right? And that's what it, that's what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. Like, what's the, what's the point? Like, without Jesus, I get it. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally there. So this flume life, one day, citizens here, citizens here. One day, Don Temple, bless his heart, no longer a citizen here. He's just given up his citizenship here, revoked it, up there only. Flume all the way. Woo! And if you remember, some of you will have been to the flume baptisms. In fact, Alan, I think you got one of them that actually got baptised in the flume. Um, And that's what we did, the flume baptisms. 
Love, I love that. We did it as a joke, like it first got mentioned as a joke, and then we thought, no, out of darkness, into light. Water representing the Holy Spirit. Chuck a bucket over the person at the top, shove them down. They go into darkness, come out a new person at the end, right? Brilliant. I love that. Um, Now we just dunk them in the sea. But who knows? Maybe we'll go back to Tenterden, um, have a pool party. Um, Okay. So, yeah, oh, my goodness, there is so much I haven't said. Anyway, yeah, basically focus on Jesus. That's that one done. So uh, let's go on to the next, um, next slide. It's because the worship was so good. Uh, we're just a little bit short on time. But that's okay. So here we go. So Paul is saying, you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, your life appears, in other words, when Christ, when Jesus becomes visible, when that realm becomes a visible realm, we will become visible too. That, that, um, that part of us that is there. I know that's hard to understand. I'm about to explain that more. But anyway... Put to death, therefore. What do you mean, therefore? You've got to see what it's there for. Well, because we've died now, life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he says, put to death, therefore. Hang on, what do you mean, put to death? In verse 3, it says, you died. But now you're telling me I've got to put to death. Am I dead or being put to death? Yes. There you go, that's your answer. Yes to both. You are dead. We are dead. We are destined to decay. And yes. We have to put to death things of this life. Not all things. It doesn't. Not, just let, let me get there. So death is here on earth, but there is no death in heaven. So if you've been born again, what happens into this dying body is the new life of heaven that gets implanted. God says, I make all things new. The old has gone, the new has come. So you are regenerated, if you like, from the inside out. That's what's happening to us. We're being regenerated from the inside out. Just take a moment and say, thank God I'm being regenerated from the inside out. Just thank him for that. Some of you, I don't know. Let's just pray that it gets out quite quickly for some of us. But, um, so basically, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. So yes, we've died, but yes, for a dead person, my my earthly, fleshly self has a lot of opinions, even though it's ultimately dead, dying, decaying, etc. So therefore, yes, I'm dead, and yes, I have to keep jumping on it. And Paul's saying, these are some of the things you need to jump on. So the Passion Translation, I love this, describes it, puts it as this, live as one who has died to this, this. Now, this We've just said, we've just said, for those listening by podcast, it says warning on the screen. So we've just said that we love a set of rules. And as humans, we are inclined, many of us are inclined towards, look, just tell me what I'm supposed to do and supposed not to do, and then I feel happier. We have that. Most of us have that, right? We, we tend to like to know the parameters. Am I okay? I'm going to live within a set of rules. And then that makes me acceptable to God. Right? That's the most mistaken, corrupt, broken theology and defeats the purpose of Jesus ever bothering to die on a cross. Because it's simply not true. I don't know how you think, by your efforts, you could get anywhere near the godliness of God. Because if God is like all the way up at the top of that pillar, then we probably don't even make it out of the pile of the carpet, right at the bottom of the pillar. 
except by Jesus. I'm at the top. And, and I'm having to kill my old self at the same time. So do not, do not follow, get into this list of rules. This, is li- this list of do not. It's a mistake we could make, hence the warning. So here we go. Here is the list. So Paul is listing some of the fruit of the decay and brokenness of this corrupted human nature here on earth. Sin, simply being the choice to not follow God, and I'm going to chuck in the word iniquity here as well, which in the biblical context normally means kind of like the fruit and the very nature of that decision. So basically, as we come into this list, Paul is saying, look, you have two choices. You can either invest yourself in this earthly realm and let this be your driver, or you can let your energy, your vision, your values, everything you stand for come from the invisible flume realm life. Soon we'll be able to drop flume realm. But you know what I mean when I say that. There is a whole nother realm up there that is more real than this one. So here's the list. These things are out. Sexual immorality. What is that? That's sex with someone outside of marriage. Impurity. Uh, you can probably work it out. Impure motives, unclean conscience, dirty. I, I, I'm not, I don't mean like a dirty worktop. I can't think of a better expression. Lust. So lust is being obsessed with wanting something. So it doesn't, we, it's come to mean a sexual thing, and without a doubt there can be sexual lust, but you can lust after, I don't know, a new job. Your neighbor's donkey, according <laughs> to the Bible. Um, Thankfully, thank God, I've never lived next door to anyone who's got a donkey. So I've never had to lust after their donkey. Um, But it's basically being obsessed with wanting something. And that obsession that we have is never satisfied, by the way. You'll never satisfy lust. Stringfellow, Peter Stringfellow was asked, how much money is enough? And he said, just a bit more. Just lust is never satisfied. Greed. Evil desires, by the way, they are evil desires. Okay, we can work out what they are. Greed, which is always wanting more. Anger. Well, in this case, there is, of course, a righteous anger, and people say that, but it's like a vengeance and indignation. Rage is rage. Malice, a desire to injure. Slander is out. That's speech that injures another's good name. And bearing in mind, you might say, well, some of our politicians don't have a good name. Like, oh, I think you'll find they do because they were created in the image of the Father. So how about you remind them of that identity rather than absolutely slate them for what you think? Um, filthy language, swearing, dirty jokes, etc. Um, we are about to have to stop. So we're going to go on to the next, next one here. Oh, look, I didn't even pull that up. I'm all over the place. So this one here, it says, it says in verse 9, do not lie to each other. And this is the really should have tagged on the end of the last bit. Just to let you know, there is no such thing as a white lie. Truth is truth. Ice cream vans do not play music when all the ice cream has run out. <laughs> that is what's called cowardly parenting. Don't do it. Don't lie to your kids. I hear parents do it over and over and over and over and over. But they just lie to their kids. Oh, it's just easier. It's just easier to tell them, no, you can't have that because you've run out of it. Well, why don't you just tell them they can't have it and explain to them why they can't have it? 
cowardly parenting. We, we all fall for it at times. So, and then Paul, right at the end there, screeching in, I'm missing loads out, but you'll see it gets there, and says, here there is no Gentile or Jew. So he says, um, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. That's the one that you're stamping on to kill. Um, and I've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the creator. The new self. It's being created from the inside out. It's being created from the inside here. And he's saying here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. To some extent, this list can seem a bit weird. And we can often take this list out of context and say, see, there shouldn't be any racism or there shouldn't be any isms. That's not what this bit means. There shouldn't be any isms, but that's not what this bit means. Because you have to read it in context. You can't just pluck a verse out that you like and make it mean what you fancy. You've always got to look at the verses around it. So what Paul is still saying is, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. I've put on the new self, it's being renewed, da, da, da. And he's saying, all these customs that you're trying to follow, well, maybe I need to get circumcised and be like a Jew, and then I'll be all right with God. Or maybe I need to do this. Or, well, I can't really be because I'm still a slave. Well, it's okay, it's all right for him because he's free. And Paul's saying, listen, it makes no odds. Jesus is everything. And he's in every person who said yes to him. Jesus has come and made his home in him. So you don't need to compare yourself with other people. You don't need to try and follow their customs. Following customs is never going to get us the connectedness that we long for with God. So Paul says, lay aside your old self with its masquerade and disguise. I love that. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, says the Passion Translation, nor your ethnicity, education, economic status. They matter nothing, for it is Jesus that means everything. Jesus is the ultimate trump card over every other distinction that may exist in the heavenly realm. Which is better, Gentile or Jew? Jesus. Which is better, to be circumcised or uncircumcised? Jesus. You get the hang of it? To be a barbarian or not? Jesus. And the whole subject of Colossians is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. If anyone ever asks you a question about Colossians and you don't know the answer, hedge your bets with Jesus. And if they say, well, I'm not sure that's right, just tell them they haven't yet had full revelation. They'll get there because the answer to the whole book and the whole life that we live is Jesus. Let's stand. We need to pray. I know I'm excited too. I could have gone on, but we can't. We thank you, God, that the answer is Jesus. We fix our eyes on things above, not on earthly things. We have been raised with Jesus. Our old self has died. That's why we get baptized. Our old self dies and we we are resurrected with Jesus. And so now, Father, we have that life in the heavenly realm, in that invisible flume realm. God, we want to spend our days getting wet and doing lots of splashing. God, we want to pull down the realities of heaven on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. 
Is there honor in heaven? Yes, there should be honor on earth. Does love abound in heaven? Yes, well, love should abound on earth. I thank you, God, that you've given us stuff to do. And we want to live from the reality of heaven. Thank you, Father. And if anyone out there or indeed in the room has never actually said yes to Jesus, then wow, today's a good day to do it. Simply because today ends in a why. Like that's a good enough reason ever to say yes to Jesus. So if you never have, then you can just say a quick prayer now and just say, God, I want you. I want this Jesus life. I want to know what it feels like to be born again on the inside, to be being regenerated from the inside. I want to leave my old self behind and run into everything you have for me. Amen to that. And if you've just prayed that, we would love to hear from you. Just get in touch. That would be amazing. Amen. Amen. So just a very quick reminder online as well. Next week we are back here. The following week we are down at Dim Church. It's 9.30, I think. Hopefully most of you saw the little video um, that came out this week, just to explain some of that. And Shiani, she's been a little bit cheeky and she's had a sneaky listen to the first Knowing God podcast with Don Temple. And she put a picture of fire up and said, oh, it is so good, and was teasing the rest of the key leaders because she's had a listen. But that comes out two weeks today and is not to be missed. So bless you all. Have a fabulous week. Thank you online. Thank you for joining us. Well done, Facebook. And well done to all the team upstairs. Brilliant job. Thank you, everyone. See you soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.